Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing you the best stories and and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast breaks down the Christian life through interviews and practical instructions and hopefully a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. Let me give a special shout out to Elijah Merrill, our producer. Anything that works well, he is a part of any of the mistakes, that's on me. All that is good, all that is good, we'll give to Elijah. If you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on over to our website at crosswinds.church. Well, I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, We have a good friend of mine and colleague, Pastor Chris Taylor. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Well, we're just going to jump right into it, okay? So how did you get connected to Crosswinds? Uh, Short answer, uh, you hired me. (laughs) (laughs) So anything good, it's because of Chris. Anything that's bad, because... Okay. Yeah. Uh, You know, I was uh, a lead pastor of a small church before coming to Crosswinds, and after serving there for three and a half years, just felt God had kind of released me from that ministry and through a process of, you know, kind of a year of praying about it and, and seeking counsel from mentors. And so, uh, you know, as our denominations broken up into districts, I sent my resume out and, you know, was looking for another position to enter into. And uh, God brought us here. So... And it was interesting. I don't know if we knew it beforehand or, or after the fact that your brother-in-law, Chris, yep. so I'm speaking to Chris, his brother-in-law is also named Chris, um, was my uh, my coach instructor. So when I became a certified coach, he was the individual who mentored me in the beginning of that process. Yeah. And then another connection was um, Betty Ryan, our executive pastor, who I think has been on the show. Um, her and I were in uh, online college together, unbeknownst to me. I forgot about she, that. Absolutely. She knew that, but online she was known as Elizabeth Harvey Ryan. And uh, we spoke on the phone and did some projects together. I just did not know it was her until she uh, let me know in one of our interviews that we did here. And we're going to hear a little bit about your story, but your youth pastor happened to be a good friend of mine from college. Yes, Mark, Mark Schnell. So we had all these connections before we ever met each other. And then all of a sudden, all these avenues in which to find stories about each other. Yes. The Wesleyan Church is worldwide, but very small. Yeah, it's very true. Very true. Very true. So let's go back. Let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, talk to me a little bit about your coming to receive Christ, You know what led up to that, who you were before you, know, you, you make this decision for Jesus. What's that beginning part of that journey look like? Uh, well, you know, I always say I, I grew up in a loving home, but it was not a Christian home. Um, growing up in a as a child, there was no, we never went to church. There was never any mention of God or anything like that that I can remember. Um, kind of my earliest memory um, about God, uh, my oldest brother, Dave, when I was about 10, he gave me a gold cross necklace. And uh, I'm not sure why he gave it to me, if it was for a birthday or something, I don't remember. But I just remember seeing that cross and knowing there was something significant about it. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I, I have memories of, of laying in bed at night, clutching that cross and and saying, you know, God, if you're real, turn my light on. Uh, in my room, he never did. and uh, But that was my first memory of ever having an awareness of God. And I don't know where that awareness came from. I'm sure I heard something uh, somewhere along the way. But it was in my, you know, as a teenager, I got involved in in drugs and drinking pretty early on uh, when I was 14. And just for five years was just a 
really going down a lot of destructive paths and um, got to a place of heavy depression and, and loneliness, even though I was, you know, surrounded by people all the time. I just didn't feel like I had any real authentic connection with anybody. And um, actually uh, getting kind of heavy on the podcast here oh, early that's on, fine. you know, I, I made a decision I was going to end my life and uh, was really uh, feeling suicidal. And I, I remember the day I woke up, I was still living at home uh, at the time. Um, and I was the only one at home and I had made the determination or decision I was going to end my life that day and got my dad's gun and had it loaded, safety off and was ready to do it. And I, I remember, you know, running through my head, you know, should I leave a note? Who's going to find me first? All these, all these things were running through my head and um, I couldn't explain it at the time, but in that whole process, I had this overwhelming feeling that someone was with me, you know, I, I didn't know what it, what, what it exactly meant at that time. Um, but I just felt like this presence, you know, and I didn't feel alone in that moment after, after wrestling with that for a while that morning, I just didn't feel alone. And, and, you know, obviously I didn't, I didn't, uh, end my life. And, yeah. um, you know, I started, uh, going to church, I want to say probably a few months after that, um, I had a crush on this uh, girl that uh, she was the reason I, I went to church on a Sunday. Um, I'm happy to say she's now my wife, but that was the motivation that got me through the doors of a church because I didn't know that it was God that had kind of showed up that day I was going to kill myself until I accepted Christ and I could look back and all those things fell into place and I could just see the way God had been at work in my life that whole time. But, you know, it was the process of going to church every once in a while with uh, Lisa, the messages started to make sense a little bit, and, and I started feeling like maybe there is something to this whole God thing. And um, we went to, she got me to go to, and this is down in Maryland, a Wesleyan church south of the Mason-Dixon line. So, you know, a little bit of Southern influence there, but they were having a, a revival services, and they had a gospel band come in, and it was a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And... Lisa had convinced me to go with her all three nights. And each night, you know, it's cliche, but if it seemed like the preacher was talking to me the entire time and it was on Wednesday, the last night, he, you know, he gave an altar call and, and I could not help but go to the altar. Like I was just so compelled. I had, I had resisted long enough and I knew I had to do it. And it was such an amazing conversion experience that night. You know, God delivered me from... Uh, so much that night. It was just an unbelievable experience. And so that was, I was 20 when I, wow. when I accepted Christ and here I am 18 years later. You, you shared an experience, at least if I remember it correctly, about sort of going to the youth group for the first time and, and sort of, you know, if people were to see you now, they probably wouldn't recognize you then, right? Sure. If, and, yeah. So I had a good friend in high school. We became really close friends our freshman year in high school. His name's Matt. We're still really close friends to this day. Uh, we were just on the phone a couple days ago. He lives in Maryland still. But um, we became instant friends when we met in our freshman year. And like it was, we were like brothers from other mothers, you know. It was instant connection. We became instant best friends. I didn't know at first he went to church. He didn't know at first. I, at the time, probably if anyone, if I knew how to define it, I would have defined myself as, you know, I guess atheist or I just didn't care. Like God wasn't on my radar, you know. Um 
but he, he went to youth group on Friday nights and I didn't know what youth group was, but you know, every once in a while he would ask me to go and he wasn't pushy about it. And I would say, no, you know, he wasn't into partying and, and drinking and drugs like I was, but we had a lot in common. We hung out a lot and Friday night he would go to youth group. Friday night I would go party somewhere. Um, but one day, I don't know why I didn't have plans that weekend. It was around Halloween and I think I was 16, I think. And I said, I got nothing else to do. Let's go check out this youth group. And it was around Halloween, and I, I wore devil's horns on my head to, to this youth group. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this, you know, group of, of Christians and whatever, you know, just just I was a jerk, you know. <laughs> and, Some things don't change, is that right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I was an obnoxious jerk, and I'm like, let me show up here with devil's horns and and – it was funny, like Matt, uh, his reaction was, you're going to wear those? I'm like, yeah, you know, and he's like, okay, you know, he didn't make a big deal about it, which kind of, my first thought was he was going to try and stop me, and I don't remember him trying to stop me. But my anticipation when I got there would be like, everyone's going to be shocked, and they're going to be appalled, and they're going to, you know, kick me out, and I was fine, you know, I was just trying to get a rise out of everybody. And this is when I met, for the first time, Mark Schnell, who was the youth pastor of the church, who was uh, in your wedding. Yeah, he was. Um, as you shared at the I beginning. Um and he, Mark Schnell is built like a linebacker in the NFL, you know? So I see this guy walking up to me and I'm like, oh gosh. You know? <laughs> Maybe not a good idea. <laughs> you know, I'm like, stay strong, keep the horns on, see what happens. Uh, but he walked up to me and he shook my hand. He said, you know, he saw I was a man. He said, you must be Chris. And, you know, we've heard a lot about you and I'm so glad you're here. You know, he didn't even acknowledge the fact that I was wearing devil's horns on my head. And I, I don't have any memory of any of the, of the you know, the high schoolers there, or middle schoolers there that night even acknowledging that I was wearing devil's horns on my head. And um, they watched a movie outside. I don't remember what movie it was, but, you know, I don't look back and say I had an amazing time. I didn't go back, you know, after that. It was just, it stood out to me their reaction was not at all what I expected, you know, so. And it sounded like it left some type of impression on you. It really, it certainly did. And that was interesting enough, the first time I met Lisa, she was dating someone else at the time, but I didn't, Matt was just took me around, introduced me to a bunch of friends and, uh, Lisa forgot about this. It's funny. I, I this came up a couple years ago as we were talking. I was telling the story. I'm like, that's the first time I met you. I don't know if you remember, but she was sitting in some corner crying. You know, as a dramatic 14 year old girl. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, what was going on. But that was Matt's. Like, that's Lisa. I don't know why she's crying. You know, <laughs> and you know, who knew that one day should be your she'd wife. Be my wife. You know? Oh my goodness, but, that's funny. That's funny. So talk to me a little bit. You so you come to Christ. You're 20. Yep. And what was what was your introduction sort of to this Christian journey? You know your you know introduction to spiritual gen, uh, spiritual mentors and disciplines and sharing your faith and all those type of things. Um, you know, I look back at that experience and I and I I know that's why I have such a heart for discipleship today because the church at the time, Emmanuel Wesleyan Church in Salisbury, Maryland, it's an amazing church. They're still around. Um, doing amazing things in their community and, and really uh, just changing lives through their ministries. They've planted like three churches since then. But at the time, that church had, had nothing going on for discipleship. There was no follow-up of any kind uh, for those who accepted Christ. And, uh, you know, every Sunday they were doing altar calls and the altars were full every Sunday of people accepting the Lord. And... Um, 
but I didn't know it until after I experienced it myself. There was nothing after that. So I accepted Christ, and I knew that night my life was drastically different, and things were going to change, but I didn't know how. Like, I didn't know what what do I do now, and I, I went to Lisa, who just before I accepted Christ became my girlfriend. We started dating, and I would go to Matt, and I would ask all these questions because I had 20 years of life, you know, uh, that I'd lived and learned, and then here's God and and all this stuff. And I remember, I remember having Lisa in tears some days, you know, just feeling almost attacked, you know, with the questions I was asking. Well, not my intention, you know. I was asking hard questions too, like where are the dinosaurs in the Bible, you know, all this stuff. And um, those are the only two people I knew to go to. And they, I, I, I look back and I see in them, they were not equipped to disciple me. They were not equipped to answer my questions, and I didn't know who to go to. My first experience with a small group came like three years later when I got connected to a young adult small group, and that was like an amazing experience to sit, uh, you know, every week with some other believers, and the intent was to have spiritual conversations to and to wrestle with these kinds of questions and to dig into God's Word and, and figure out what does the Bible say about this, you know, and so... That was my initial experience with with that was almost kind of a lack of um, any any sort of guidance into where to go next from this. And so thankfully, you know, I didn't go astray or anything like that. I, I stuck to the journey, but it was it was definitely, you know, something that I missed. I didn't know I was missing it until I experienced it and realized, okay, that that's been missing from my walk. And like I said, just to, you know, to give credit to this church is an amazing ministry. I, I accepted Christ there, and to and today they have a very intentional, consistent discipleship ministry. That's great. So, yeah. That's great. So so share with me a little bit. So you you go from um, really this this hopelessness mm-hmm. to knowing that there's someone with you, not not knowing who it is. Mm-hmm. Twenty now you you know who he is. Mm-hmm. I mean you come to faith in Christ. You're yeah a few years later you're in small group. But you're sitting in front of me right now, the pastor uh, of community life here at Crosswinds, who oversees discipleship. Talk to me a little bit about the calling on your life to be a pastor. So I felt called to ministry pretty soon after accepting Christ. I didn't know what it, exactly I was discerning what that call was, but I knew that I wanted to connect with people who were in my situation. I knew I wanted to help people discover that, you know, the solution to everything you're going through in life is God, is a relationship with God. And I knew that. And it was actually, you know, Lisa's brother, you mentioned Chris also, uh, my brother-in-law, who wasn't my brother-in-law at the time, but he's he was a pastor. And he's been a, you asked about spiritual mentors before, he's been a spiritual mentor in my life from the very beginning. And, you know, he's the one that introduced me to, hey, maybe you're called to ministry, you know, Um and he kind of guided me through that a little bit. It was a long road to get there. You know, I was, I had a career, you know, I worked in land surveying and civil engineering. And, and as far as I was concerned, that was the career path I was on. And, and I actually did that for 11 years after coming to faith, even feeling the call to ministry. And so um, for a while, I was bivocational. You know, I was a, I was a pastor on staff for over four years while working full time in in the field of civil engineering and land surveying, um, and it was a great career. You know, I was I was successful there, and I was in management, and I had staff under me, and everything like that. And um, I loved it, but I knew 
that that's not where I was. It, it took a while to discern that, but I knew that I wasn't what God had for me long term. And and so I made the decision to pursue full-time vocational ministry. And that was a, it was a big decision at the time I was married. We had, you know, two kids and, um, you know, stability. I had a good job, you know, good money and everything. And um, I joke, I took a considerable pay cut to become a full-time pastor, <laughs> you know. But I, I just knew that that God had steered me towards um, being able to consistently connect with people in their spiritual journey and, and help them navigate what that's like, you know, and and everything. So it's interesting because um, we've had three guests, you know, over what'll be six episodes, you know, on on this um, podcast, and um, each one of you um, either had other careers mm-hmm. or were heading in a different direction, <laughs> and then God had. Um, you know, other plans. And my guess is in all those things, one of the things that was a sacrifice was finances. Uh, each of the careers that each of you had, um, you certainly could have uh, uh, made more money doing that. Um, and yet this calling mm-hmm. uh, is rich enough. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's one way to discern if it's really, you really are called to full-time vocational ministry is, you know, you don't do it for the money because yeah, it's right. not something you're going to go into and, you know, get rich unless you, you know, write a book or something, you know? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And it goes well. You <laughs> yeah, write a book and people yeah. also have to buy it. Yes, the yes. Second, the know? second part's really important. Um, but I, I just, you know, in case someone's listening that's trying to, you know, discern their call, there's nothing wrong with bivocational ministry that's at right. all, you know, um, you know, working a, a secular job and serving as a pastor. And um, I know a lot of people that do that. And, and we so. have people on our team. Yeah, who are on our pastoral team, yep. who who also who work yep. full time, uh, whether it be a teacher or whatever else, and it yeah, and it's a true blessing to be able to be do this full time vocationally. Um, so, well, talk to me a little bit about um, your heart for discipleship. You've talked a little bit about it, but now one of your primary roles, actually, the, the lion's share of what you do here at Crosswinds. Mm-hmm is connect people into discipleship relationships, whether it be one-on-one. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the next episode. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your heart for that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not necessarily even how we do it here at Crosswinds, but how, how did that develop and how did you become equipped in that um, and uh, to sort of, uh, yeah, unpack okay. that for us? I, I kind of shared, you know, just I look back on my spiritual journey and kind of saw how I floundered for a while after accepting Christ. You know, I floundered kind of on my own, just, you know, trying to navigate this. And and I think, again, that's kind of the, the source of my heart for that and um, wanting to help people take their next step in their spiritual journey, whatever that next step may be, is is how we help people grow closer to God and and. We can't make anybody take that next next step, but people can't take the next step if they don't know what their next step may be. And so that's what discipleship is, is, is helping people, here's a next step you may be able to take, here's how you can take it, here's what it might look like if you take it, and here's why to take it, because you're going to grow closer to God, and and that's what it's all about. And, you know, our faith is is relational, you know. Our, our whole basis of our faith is based on relationship and our need to be in relationship with God, but in relationship with others. And, you know, we'll probably touch on this in the next episode when we talk more and more about uh, one-on-one discipleship. But, you know, our society today and, and our modern society is, is structured in such a way we have this illusion of, of being connected and in relationship. And the reality is, um, 
there's a huge relational deficit. And, um, you know, I'm evidence of that. I've had that experience. Like I didn't know who to go to because I didn't have any of those real deep relationships. And a lot of people are in that same boat. The vast majority of people are in that same boat. There's statistics I won't share today, but um, that just speak of that kind of, again, I, I use the term relational deficit, you know. Um, yeah, we're the most connected society ever to live. Right. And probably relationally the most shallow. Exactly. Yeah. Relationally shallow. A lot of people dealing with loneliness and isolation and, um, you know, COVID the last year and a half of COVID has only exacerbated that and made it far worse. But connecting people into relationships and where they have people that they can live life with, that they can pray with, pray for, that... Um, they can ask the questions, I don't know what to do next, or I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, um, is just immensely important. And it's how we can flourish in our faith and in our relationship with God is, is through these authentic relationships with other believers. And, you know, you can look at Scripture for, you know, account after account of, of, of the need for that. And we're, you know, we're called to bear one another's burdens and to gather together and, and do this journey together. Um, and for the purpose of advancing God's kingdom together. That's great. Um, okay. Let's switch, let's switch gears just a little bit here. Okay. Um, this is one of my favorite questions, uh, has become one of my favorite questions to ask. Okay. Um, if you could have a spiritual conversation with anyone living or dead other than Jesus, because, you know, that's the, that's the church answer, right? Sure. Uh, other than Jesus, who would you like to have that chat with and why? So of the, the questions you sent me to prep for, this was the hardest question, you know. Um, and it wasn't actually until today I even realized the wording of the question. I read it as who's a spiritual person you'd want to have a conversation oh, with. So oh, I limit it to, like, people that were Christ followers. No, you know? But, but I realized that. it was just a spiritual conversation with anyone, which opens the door to a whole bunch of other people I could have, I could have answered. Uh, but the, the answer I settled on right now at this moment in my life, um, there's an author and, and uh, theologian named N.T. Wright. Um, I've been... Just so you know, I believe uh, Chris has a man crush. Spiritually speaking, not in a bad way, just spiritually speaking. Yes, uh-huh. And I venture to guess, Craig, if you do this podcast long enough, people will hear about your man crush on Wayne Cordero. So, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, Speaking of man crushes, yes, uh, you know, my my non-spiritual person would be Patrick Stewart. uh, (laughs) That's right. But But we share in that. Yes. uh, My spiritual conversation with a spiritual person would definitely be N.T. Wright right now. He has an amazing podcast that that, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of and I I promote quite a bit. It's Ask N.T. Wright Anything. And he has a way of explaining scripture that just makes it, you know, relatable and just come to life like I've, I've not heard someone in recent memory do. Um, aside from the fact he does it with such an eloquent British accent, you know, it just makes it that much British more. British accents just make everything sound better. <laughs> yeah. But he, he is, he has dug into things that I have been, I have believed about God's word in the kingdom of heaven, but haven't been able to really put into words and really flesh out. And he's helped me do that. You know, I won't say I agree with a hundred percent of everything that he, he talks about and believes in, but so far, there's been nothing that's like a deal breaker for me to say, oh, I'm not going to listen to him anymore. He's he's fantastic. He's sensitive to, you know, 
a lot of major issues that are being brought up in the podcast. And, and he's written, I mean, dozens and dozens of books. And um, his whole thing is, is making, you know, getting into the Bible something that everyone would want to do. You know, every believer should be digging into the Bible, and um, but he he makes it something you really want to do, and so he's been he's had an impact on me uh, in the last handful of months. And if I had the opportunity to sit with him and, and pick his brain, I would love to do that. And, and certainly, you know, one of the things that that really I admire is when an individual is extremely intelligent, mm-hmm. which he is. Mm-hmm but also has the ability to explain things in a way that I can understand. And uh, he, he has that ability uh, yeah. to take uh, things off the top shelf and bring them down to where I can reach them intellectually and, and wrestle with them myself. And to me, that's a unique gifting um, yeah. for people who are really intelligent, and he has the ability to do that. And I, I too, couldn't speak more highly of his podcast. I, I, I'm a listener as well and appreciate him, too. Okay, here, here's the final question for, for this episode. Okay. What last words of advice would you give to the listeners? Mm, man. Um, you know, I said it the other Sunday. I was, you know, during my sermon, you know, whatever you're going through, I don't know what it is, but I can promise you Jesus is the answer, you know? Um, and so just no matter what, lean into him pursue him and don't do it alone. You can't do it alone. And that seems to be a reoccurring part of your testimony mm-hmm. and you're encouraging to others because it's been so real in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. And I appreciate that about you, Chris. Well, here we are at the end of this episode. Uh, please uh, join with us next week. We'll be continuing our conversation with Chris. We're going to talk a little bit more about the ministry he, he's doing here at Crosswinds and 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 his heart and passion and and vision for that. Uh, So join me next week. Remember to check out uh, crosswinds.church. You can learn more about this podcast and, of course, anything Crosswinds. For now, be blessed and bless others. Mm